I've always thought about how much more we can learn if we just dare to go farther. People around the world are rallying behind one simple endearing notion. Bring him home. We have seen hundreds of messages of support of this brave astronaut. Botney's ordeal is far from over. NASA is doing everything they can to figure out how to save him. figure out how to grow four years worth of food here on a planet where nothing grows but if i can't figure out a way to make contact with nasa none of this matters anyway man I, who's seen that movie who's seen the martian oh my gosh if you have not seen the martian it is worth that's about two hours two and a half hours it is worth two and a half hours on a rainy sunday to go home and rent the Martian, it is incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Um, listen, I, I'm so glad you're here. I, I really am. And um, it's crazy that summer is already almost over. I'm so sorry to remind you, students, is you're, you're about to go back to school in like a week and a half. I'm sorry to burst your bubble, kids. Parents, now I know, I hear a whistle. Parents are like, yeah, they are. You guys are amped up. You guys can't wait. I love that. Um, I've loved this series um, at the movies. I, I hope you guys, have you guys enjoyed this at the movies series? Man, it's been fun. It's been fun to just look at biblical principles and tie it to a movie. I, I just love it. I'm a huge movie guy, so it's been, this is always one of my favorite series that we go through. Um, and we've been looking at over the past few weeks how God has an exciting story for your life. Not just my life, but for each person in this room, God has an exciting story for you. And we've talked about how, uh, what, what life looks like when your story maybe takes an unexpected turn. Uh, we also talked about when life feels uneventful. We looked at that with the movies The Incredibles 2. Then we talked about when God calls you to do something that is uncertain, like Indiana Jones a couple weeks ago where he takes the leap of faith and he steps out. And God calls us to do those things, those uncertain things. And then last week, um, we talked about when God's plan for your life, it, it just doesn't make sense to people around you. And we looked at the life of Fred Rogers and how for so many people, they didn't understand why this guy would commit his life to doing a program like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood it didn't make any sense to people. And today we're going to be looking at what scripture says when our life can be inconvenient, when our life can just feel inconvenient. And if you've seen The Martian, you know this movie is anything but convenient. 
right? So Mark Watney, Matt Damon, what a stud, by the way, homegrown Boston boy, right? Love that guy. My man Mark Watney goes on an expedition to Mars. He gets to Mars with this other group of astronauts. They get to Mars. This huge uh, storm strikes, and Mark Watney is left behind because he's presumed dead. Everybody thinks, like, this dude didn't make it. So everybody gets back to NASA, and they, they land, and all of a sudden, here's a call from Mark Watney. Everybody, the, the guy they thought was dead is calling, and, and quickly NASA drops everything to chase after this one guy. Even though it was inconvenient, all of a sudden, convenience goes out the window because we have, we got a guy on Mars we got to save. And I love in the trailer, you even get to see the whole world starts to rally behind Mark Watney, right? People have their iPhones out with the bring Mark home, bring him home. They're posting about it on Instagram. They're rallying around this guy saying we need to bring him home. And was rescuing Mark on Mars convenient? No. Is rescuing anybody on another planet convenient? Never. Absolutely not. Not like I've done it, but I would assume it's not convenient. (laughs) What if God is calling you to inconvenience your life to rescue one person? To rescue that family member? To help bring rescue to a friend? To a, to a classmate, or, or maybe to a coworker. Today we're going to look at what Scripture and Jesus say about inconvenience, and how convenience isn't always part of our story. And we're going to be looking at Luke 15. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke 15. It'll be on the screens too. Um, and we find Jesus teaching, and he's telling parables. And parables are basically their stories that kind of reinforce a teaching point. So Jesus had a main point that he wanted to articulate, and he's telling stories to kind of reinforce it. And in Luke 15, we find Jesus, and he's telling stories. He's, he's, he's sharing these parables. And as was pretty typical with Jesus, there's, there was always a crowd that would, that would gather, and it was always filled with different kinds of people. It wasn't just filled with, like, one specific kind of person. It was filled with people from all different backgrounds. And so we pick it up in Luke 15, 1 to 2. Here's what it says. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. I want to pause really quick. I think it's hilarious that that's how it starts off. Like, the exact people you wouldn't think are with Jesus are with Jesus. That those are the people that Luke says... These were the people that were there. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. And this made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. How dare he eat with them? Right? But Jesus lived his life in such a way that these tax collectors, these these sinful people these spiritually disconnected people that were broken and hurt and and just lost, they were drawn to him. Because when they heard Jesus, they heard hope. They heard hope for themselves. But he also attracted the religious leaders. He attracted the Pharisees. And verse 2, we hear them complaining. They're complaining that he was associated with such people such sinful people, that he's even eating with them. And why are they complaining? 
It's because their lives are being inconvenienced. These people that they thought, I'm never going to be with these people. I'm going to stay as far to the right, and they can be over here on the left. We're never going to touch. All of a sudden, they're coming to hear Jesus teaching, and every person that surrounds them are the people that they didn't want near them. All of a sudden, their lives are being inconvenienced. And sometimes, don't you think we can kind of fall into the same trap? Even on a Sunday morning, we can kind of fall into this trap. Or maybe we walk into the lobby on a Sunday morning, and that person that maybe has never been in church before kind of says something that you're like, dang, that person probably shouldn't have said that in church. Maybe you are that person. Like, you walked in, and you're like, oh, crap, I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> like, maybe that's you. Or, or maybe, maybe it's, it's uh, somebody that comes in and, and sits in your seat in the auditorium. And you, and you walk in on Sunday morning, 9.30, and you're like, who is this person? Don't they know that seat? It says Bonville right on it. Like, that's my seat. Right? Or maybe, uh, and listen, I'm the kids director. I see this. Maybe there's that family that they got three rambunctious kids running around with six cookies, apple juice coming out of their nose, and a diaper hanging off, and they're inconveniencing your morning. Like, can't we just get these kids under control? Just put a little leash on them or something? I don't know. I don't understand those, by the way. Walk around with the leashes on the kids. Um, right? And we walk in, even on Sunday mornings, we're like, oh my gosh, even our Sundays are inconvenienced now. This is unbelievable. And we can get upset. And, and one thing I always tell our students is that no matter who comes through our doors on Sunday nights, we're going to love them the same. Even, even if they're rough around the edges, even if they've never been in church before. We're going to love them the same because that's what Jesus would do. And I love that Jesus, knowing exactly what the religious leaders, what the Pharisees are thinking here. Scary thought, by the way. Jesus knows what you're thinking and what you're thinking about. Even before you've thought it, Jesus knows what you're about to think about. He responds with this story, this parable. Verse 3, it says, So Jesus told them this story, if a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? So I just got back on Wednesday from a four-day trip uh, to Portland, Maine with our students, Grace students. It was incredible. Um, and, and quickly, at this little sidebar, I just want to brag on these students really quick. We brought 12 students with us. We went up to Portland, Maine, and these students took four days out of their summer vacation that is winding down to go and serve in a city most of them had never been before. These students, uh, would pray, they were praying around the city, prayer walking around the city, praying that God would bring more church planters, more people to love and serve spiritually disconnected people to Portland, Maine. They're walking around parks picking up trash just because they want to serve Portland. They served in a soup kitchen for about nine hours on Tuesday with, oh, and served over 500 meals to 500 guests just because they wanted to love on the city of Portland, and never once did they complain. That's a life of inconvenience, right? And man, we, give, we don't give students enough credit. These are 12-year-olds, 13, 14, 15-year-olds going up to Portland, Maine, and doing this to people that they might never see again. That's serving a life of inconvenience. It was amazing. It was amazing. 
But imagine, okay, so Wednesday, we're getting ready to leave. Imagine if Wednesday, we had 15 people in our group, 12 students. If I counted and I was like, all right, 14, 15, nope. All right, that's close enough. <laughs> and we just packed up and we left. Like 14 out of 15, if I'm playing baseball, that's not bad. I'm hitting a pretty high percentage, right? Like I'm making the all-star team. And honestly, there might be some students that your parents are like, yeah, you can leave them. That's fine. That's totally cool. I'm just kidding. But imagine if that had been my perspective, if that had been what I had done. Like 14 out of 15, that's not bad. Absolutely not. Everybody's getting out of that van, and we're venturing into Portland, and we're going to find that one student that is lost. We're going to drop everything to go find that student that's missing. We're not going to leave that student behind, even if it's inconvenient, even if it throws off our schedule. We are going to go and we're going to find that student because that student is priceless. And we see this same theme in the Martian. So we're going to watch this clip and then we're going to get back into it. If we could talk to Mark, we would tell him to stay put and to trust that we are doing everything in our power to bring him home alive. Don't say bring him home alive, Vincent. You know what? These interviews aren't easy. Any? No more Vincent on TV. Copy that. 76 kilometers. Am I reading that right? Yes, sir. Uh, Mark drove two hours straight away from the hab, did a short EVA, and then drove for another two. He didn't load up the oxygenator or the water reclaimer? Every 41 hours, there's a 17-minute gap. I want that gap down to four minutes. Let's make it happen. Bruce, what's the earliest we can get a pre-supply there? It'll take nine months. Three months. Three? That's you're going to say it's impossible, and then you're going to do the math in your head and say something like the overtime alone will be a nightmare. The overtime alone will be a nightmare. Get started. I'll find you the money. We'll do our best. Mark dies if you don't. Oof. That final quote, man. Mark dies if you don't. What if we lived with that same mentality? That our friends and neighbors that are lost, that are spiritually disconnected, like they die if we don't. That one student, if we left them behind, they die if we don't go back and get them, if we don't inconvenience our lives. Listen, every person is priceless to God. Every person is priceless to God. If you're sitting in this room or if you're not, it doesn't matter Every person is priceless to God, and God will never stop chasing after the lost sheep, just like the shepherd. The same way that we would chase after our kid or our student that is lost, the same way that the world would drop everything to go after Mark Watney, we must, I mean seriously, we must chase after those who are spiritually disconnected around us. We have to go after the one. That one person that is spiritually disconnected, we have to go after them. And while every sheep matters to God, it's not like the shepherd was like, all right, these 99 don't care about them, just care about this one. No, the 99, the shepherd loved the 99, but they were good. They're safe. They're, they're all set. He loves them, but he's like, listen, you guys are good. I got to go get this one. You guys are already in my flock. I need to bring this one that is lost, that is separated, I need to bring it back to my flock. 
he places a special priority on going after the one that is lost. And that's why at Grace Church, we are committed to a life of inconvenience. We're committed to it. It's why we're committed on being outwardly focused. Because it's all about that one. We have to go after him. God's positioned you to be able to reach that one person unlike he's positioned me. You have the connection with that one person, not me. But convenience and comfort are are pretty easy traps to fall into, right? They're so easy to fall into. Um, But man, the joy that can come from inconvenience, uh, it's just overwhelming, the joy that you can find in inconveniencing yourself to go after the one, it is unlike any joy you'll ever experience. And we see it in Luke 15, 5 through 6. And when he is found, and this is Jesus talking about the shepherd, and when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. And I love the picture Jesus paints here. It doesn't say that when the shepherd finds the sheep, he says, What the heck are you doing? Why would you leave and start scolding the sheep and beating the sheep or whatever you do with sheep? I don't know when you're upset. No, that's not what Jesus says the shepherd does. The shepherd puts the sheep up on his shoulders and joyfully goes home and says, everybody come gather. I found the sheep that was lost. We're going to throw a party. We are going to throw an absolute party because this sheep that was lost has been found. It's why last weekend, if you were here, man, we partied up in Grace Church. We baptized 10 people. We threw parties because each person, as they were dunked and came back up, They were found. Those lost sheep were brought home. That's why we party when we see people get baptized, because it is a party. It should be a party. It's why we seek to be outwardly focused as a church. It's why we allocate so much of our time and our resources to be radically generous. Our resources are not for us to build a bigger building, to put more lights on stage, to put better projectors in or do better snacks or do better things for the kid. Absolutely, those resources are to go after the one, to be outwardly focused. It's all in hopes that God uses what he's given us in the first place to bring rescue to another person. And God's plan for your life, it it means putting others' needs above your convenience. God's plan for your life means putting others' needs above your own convenience. I mean, that's the whole theme of this movie, The Martian. We have people that, listen, people at NASA probably are busy doing other things. They probably got things to do. I don't know, if you work at NASA, maybe you can... Tell me different, but I'm pretty sure people at NASA have things to do. And they put it all aside because there's one person that they have to go and save. We see the entire world all of a sudden are putting things 
to the side and putting aside their own convenience because they want to rally around bringing Mark Watney home. And isn't our responsibility and mission as Christ followers to do the same for our friends and neighbors that are lost? Isn't that our responsibility? To drop everything and to step into a life of inconvenience in hopes that one person who is lost finds Jesus and has their forever eternity changed. I think sometimes we forget how important this is. When somebody finds Jesus that is lost, a spiritually disconnected person comes to know Jesus, their eternity is changed. And that's hard for us as humans to wrap our minds around because we're, we're finite. We can't think about eternity. But eternity is a very long time. It is the rest of time. And by that one person coming to know Jesus and follow Jesus, their eternity is changed. That's what it looks like to be inconvenienced by God. Inconvenienced by God. Man, most of us, we just live comfortable and convenient lives because it's, it's easy. I get it. I struggle with this. Where I get in my weekly routine and like, I'm comfy. I'm good. I got my Netflix shows I'm binging. I got my people that I talk to on a daily basis. When I go to Market Basket to get groceries, I, I'm going to put in headphones. Right? We want to be comfortable. We want what's easy. We want what's, what's convenient. And we make decisions a lot of times that require no faith because we think, listen, I can do this on my own. Like, I'm not going to step out into a place where, where I can only trust that God is going to do this because I'd rather just do things that I, I can kind of do in my own strength. But God is always nudging us away from comfort and our own selfishness. He's always, I, I don't know what it is, but man, if you follow Jesus and, and you are committed to following and giving your life to him, you'll notice that throughout your life, he's always going to nudge you away from what is comfortable. It's just how God is. He's always going to nudge you away from what is comfortable. I think of uh, a, a few of our students, um, Liam Collins and, and Abby Moynihan, I think of these students that they, they're students that are always bringing friends on Sunday nights. Most, most Sunday nights, I feel like they always got a friend on their arm that's never been to church before. And we have a lot of students that, like, that's their weekly pattern. They're going to grab a friend. They're going to say, hey, come to church with me. And they're always stepping out of their comfort zones and convenience to bring a friend to youth group. Listen, who remembers what middle school and high school is like? That's about as uncomfortable and awkward as it gets, right? And these students, 13-year-olds, are stepping out and saying, I have a friend that's lost, and I'm going to invite them to church because I want them to experience what I've found in Jesus. These are 12- and 13-year-olds, guys. Parents, adults in this room, you cannot let 13 and 14-year-old students show you up. You can't. You can't. 
man, I love these students, and there are so many more students in our ministry that this is their weekly pattern. And some of the students that they've invited and brought, they now attend Grace Church regularly. They attend Grace Church regularly. Man, and it's my dream that I've been praying for these students that I hope one day we get to see all of them in that dunk tank getting baptized. And that's all because a few students said, you know what? I'm going to put popularity aside. I'm going to put convenience aside. I'm going to put what I look like aside. And I'm going to commit to a life of inconvenience for Jesus. God is always trying to show us that he and only he can do something so much more significant with our stories than we can. Man, God has a special plan for each of your lives. And I'll tell you right now, it doesn't involve convenience or being comfortable. Look at the end of this story, man. Luke 15, 7. I love the ending of this story. In the same way, there is much more joy in heaven. Just imagine all of heaven is just thrown a party over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Guys, the inconvenience is worth it. The inconvenience is worth it. When that one lost person, that spiritually disconnected person, repents and comes to know and follow Jesus, man, heaven's throwing a party. Imagine what that, first of all, imagine what that party's like. I'm trying to get into that party. They're throwing a party. We're throwing a party. Everybody's partying because one person chose to turn away from their their selfishness, their disobedience towards God and, and, and their fellow man to follow Jesus. That's what it's all about. And it's why we can never give up on those who need Jesus most. We can't. We just can't. There's another story um, that many of you, you might actually know this story. It's right after um, Jesus tells this, this parable. And he tells the, the parable of the prodigal son. And, and the story of the prodigal son, it, it follows this, this family and this dad who has two sons. And one of his sons gets to the point in his life where he's like, you know what, dad? I'm kind of done with this. I'll take my inheritance now and I'm at peace. So his inheritance, a large sum of money, and his dad's like, of course, if that's what you want. So his dad gives him his, his inheritance early. And what does the son do? He doesn't go and invest it, build up his 401k. No, it's not what he does. This son takes that money, and he blows all of it on partying, girls, living large. And before he knows it, my man is broke. My man is so broke that at one point, Jesus says, he's feeding pigs, and he was so hungry and so poor that he longed to eat what the pigs were eating. That's how broke this man was. Anybody ever been that broke? <laughs> Not me. I can't imagine. Like that, he went from living large to that. Unbelievable. 
And he says, I can't, I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm going to go home. And he goes home. And Jesus says that he's on the road to his house. It's like a long driveway. Just imagine a long driveway. He's at the end of the driveway. And his dad sees him in the distance. And what does his dad do? He yells at him and says, get out of here. No, it's not what his dad does. Can you imagine though? It says that his dad, Jesus says his dad ran and met his son. Didn't wait for his son to even get to him. He sprinted and met his son. And when he met him, he embraced him, kissed him on the cheek and said, we're going to throw a party because my son that was lost has returned home. The father never lost hope and is, and is there to greet his son when he returned. And you guys may know a family member, friend, coworker, classmate, that when you look at their life, when you look at their Instagram profile, their Facebook profile, you're like, this person is gone. Like, there is no way God can ever reach them. There's no way. But Romans actually tells us the opposite. Romans 5.8 tells us that even while we were still sinners, God showed his love by sending his one and only son to die for us. Even while we were furthest from God, God said, you know what? For that one too. For your friend and coworker that is as far away from God as you can possibly be, God said, you know what? My son is going to die for that one too. When I was as far away from God as I could be, God said, I love Brandon enough. I don't care how far away he is. Jesus is going to die for him too. We we can't give up on those that are far from God because Jesus never gave up on us. So as we close, I want you to think, what are some ways that you can live a more inconvenient life? Maybe it's having those hard conversations. It's having those hard conversations and inviting those friends to church. Or when your friend asks, hey, Don't you believe in Jesus? Instead of saying, yeah, did you guys see the Sox game last night? No, actually having a conversation about it. Maybe it's being bold. And when those conversations come up, not backing off, but instead pressing in and saying, God's giving me opportunity to maybe reach this person that is spiritually disconnected. Maybe it's not surrounding yourself with only people that look and think like you. That's a way we get comfortable, right? We insulate ourselves with people that look and think and act like us. And we never want to step outside that insulation. Who around you needs to be rescued? Hopefully all of you got a little communication card this morning. I want you to maybe take that out during our response songs and just write a name. Who's that one person that you think of that is that lost sheep, that's spiritually disconnected, that needs to be rescued. Or, or maybe you need to write down who is someone that you've given up hope on. Who's that one person that you've just kind of pushed aside and said, they're too far gone, there's no way. What might God be putting on your heart right now? 
because the Bible is living and active. What we read today was written like 2,000 years ago, and we're still opening it up, and it's still piercing our hearts, and God is still convicting us and showing us areas that we can grow. And so what is something that God is nudging you in this morning? God's plan for your life means putting others' needs above your convenience. Let's go ahead and live that out. Let's pray together.